Money talks. But so do we. I'm Lauren. I'm Kat. And I'm Daniel. And And we're we're your friends friends with tax benefits. We are here to sound off about write-offs. To get wise about wealth building. And take the taboo out of tax talk. We work at TurboTax, so obviously this is what we love to talk about. But we're not here to replace your tax professional. In each episode, we'll share real talk about money with our personal opinions, advice, and jokes about all things financial. What we won't do is share any opinions on behalf of Intuit, TurboTax, their brands, or employees. Did the lawyers make you say that, Kat? So stop scrolling on Tax Talk. Call your financial professional later because it's time to talk tax, friends. Happy Thursday, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Friends with Tax Benefits. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad to be here. And hello to my wonderful co-hosts, Lauren and Kat. It's great to see you both. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Today's episode is focused on what we're doing right now, which is working from home. And who better to frame that conversation than our friends at Dunder Mifflin? I think you all know that our friends at Dunder Mifflin are working from home right now. And I'm curious about how Dwight and Angela and Meredith and Oscar, how do they deal with the financial implications of remote work? So true story, I have never seen an episode of It's the Office, right? Where are you? You're so out of touch. I know, but I live it. (laughs) There's certain things I feel like if I live them in my real life, I don't always want to watch them on TV. And I think if you've got a great dynamic with your coworkers, it can get a little lonely working from home. I really miss being able to collaborate in person because I have the amazing fortune of working with a team of people I really enjoy working with and think are lovely human beings, which is such a gift. That part, I would say that I miss like that interaction that you get that keeps the work go, that keeps the work fun. Like, honestly, that's what's funny about the office is that it's like, it's that humor because it's relatable. Like Lauren said, she's like, I don't need to watch it. I live it. So... The other thing that the office makes me think of when we're all working from home, you know, like you have this small group of people that maybe you have meetings with, but you don't have the cafeteria or you don't have, like you said, the water cooler or in our case, the snack room um, where you do get to interact with people who are just really different than than you are um, and you might not otherwise ever see in a meeting or ever hang out with. Just like diversity of people. You don't have that when you're working from home because you have your teams that you you generally work with. So that's something that I do miss. I think the remote environment has like led to a little bit of that, like you feeling less like also just like pressure to like for me personally, but like that need to like not get done up for work. Like I could give away all my heels now. Like when do I ever wear them or like to do your hair or put on makeup? <laughs> We look great now for you all, but like, you know, normally the, the pressure of just being able to keep your camera off, right? That to me, that's like, great. I'm still present. My voice is still heard. You're getting all the ideas, but like not having to show face, literally. <laughs> I've been team power flats for a long time. <laughs> yes. That's I'm, I'm on team power flats. I, I see you got your natural height, Daniel. You don't need that let lift. I know I am already six, six. And when I, when I do wear heels, it takes me up to, you know, seven feet and that's six, six is alienating enough. You know, talking about seven footers makes me think about some of the benefits of working from home because I get to have a desk and a chair that fits me and that uh, I don't have to squeeze into. Which leads nicely to something Kat wanted to share about working from home. 
So I think that whether you're working from home in the sense of a self-employed person where you're running your own business or you're working from home as an employee for an employer, it's important to create your own balance. Um, For me, that looks like setting hours. And I think for a lot of folks, it does too. It's really easy to get caught up in the work doesn't stop since it's at home. So the idea of like not responding to an email after hours, unless it's super urgent. And I mean like super urgent. Uh, Sometimes I get emails like later in the day for me, because I'm on the East coast, but that team member might be on the West coast. So setting that bounds of like, okay, work is done now. I worked from nine to five. If you're able to do that for your job, I would say, consider that sometimes employers want the task done and are not as stringent upon like what hours. I would also say that for self-employed too, this idea of always like hustle, 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 but it's hard to pour from an empty cup. So if you're always just like pouring into your business, pouring into your business, that's great work ethic, but at some point you're, you, everybody needs a break, right? So whether, if you're not going to take the whole weekend off, that's fine, but like set those hours to dedicate some time to your family, right? Or for yourself. The other thing that's interesting for me from working from home is the expectation now that like you're able to work from essentially wherever you have internet. So it sparked a growing trend of folks that would consider themselves digital nomads. So they don't have to go to an office space. So they essentially can work from anywhere from their house, from a Starbucks, maybe on a bus trip up the coast. So that idea of like picking up and going, you've seen a lot of folks do it. And I would tell folks like if you can and you have that luxury then like sure explore some new places while you work remotely but be cautious if you spend too much time in an area or a state it's possible that you might trigger a filing requirement for that state and then you might be on the hook for some taxes some states have rules where you're not going to be taxed for the same income twice but it is something to be wary about i have seen folks be surprised when they had to report taxes in another state because they sent months on end there while working remotely. Super good points, Kat. I think it's really important to have those direct conversations with people on your team to say, hey, I'm going to be messaging you at five o'clock my time or four o'clock my time, which is seven o'clock or eight o'clock your time. And you do not have to respond. I'm just getting my job done. And when you come back in the morning so that somebody who is on a different time zone doesn't feel constantly compelled to essentially never unplug. So great points. That's funny you said sending emails out early. I'm, I think about that. So I'm like, it's like it's 5 a.m. her time. So uh, on Outlook, I will actually like time send things. I'm like, let's put this at 8.01. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Kat, I loved your point about taxes. I think there's a large conversation around this digital nomad life, but most people don't even think about the tax implications of living and working remotely for extended periods. So that's a really great thing to be aware of. Lauren, what have you been thinking about when it comes to working from home? I've been thinking a lot lately about a couple different benefits and drawbacks and learnings I've had of working from home. So I am not commuting to and from the office every day. So not only am I saving time on the commute, but I'm also saving on gas to and from the office, which is especially helpful lately as these gas prices have just skyrocketed. And a couple of years ago, I realized that my auto insurance the pricing of it was partially based on the mileage that I was driving. So I actually called up my auto insurance company and renegotiated a much lower rate based on the lower mileage. So I've been looking for other cost savings. However, 
I will say some of those savings have really been offset by my retail therapy and stress shopping. So <laughs> it kind of all balances out in the long run. When we first started working remotely, I really wasn't prepared for it. I have a really lovely office space at the office and felt really fancy there and really wasn't working from home very much. So when we transitioned to work from home, really essentially overnight, I had to order a work from home setup. And one of the benefits to me of working at Intuit is that they actually were able to cover the expenses for things like my sit-stand desk, my ergonomic chair, and a few accessories. And I think if you're in a position where the company you work for does have a program that will reimburse you for any expenses, it's so important to take advantage of those perks and benefits. I think if you're an employee and you're not taking advantage of every single benefit you can, you're really leaving money on the table. So whether that means getting the company match for your 401k, checking into education reimbursement, or trying to understand what reimbursement or what policies your employer has for things like work from home equipment or even your cell phone or reimbursements on internet. I think do the research and ask the questions to understand what benefits can you take advantage of and maximize those perks and bennies, baby. I've been thinking a lot about working from home and in the context of behavioral economics. Behavioral economics is just a, a fancy way of saying the psychology of human behavior. And what's fascinating is that when you start studying behavioral economics, we learn that humans are often totally irrational in their decision-making. And the example I'll use for today is, is something called the present bias. And that's the tendency for us to put greater weight on payoffs right now than potentially even bigger payoffs in the future. And then more consequentially, we often live beyond our means, or we have a lot of consumer debt, or we don't contribute as much as we can to our retirement. And depressingly, what behavioral economists will say is that, you know, sorry, bub, um, we're pretty much destined to keep making these irrational decisions. Unless we form habits that prevent us from even being put in circumstances that would uh, allow us to make those irrational decisions. And so like bringing only a $20 bill and no credit cards to, you know, happy hour, you can't get more than two beers on 20 bucks these days. And you buy a single slice of cake instead of the whole cake or uh, setting up when you sign up for a new job to maximize your contributions to your 401k. So you don't have to decide to pay every month into that. And so willpower and logic, they're not going to get us out of ignoring the future over the present, which brings us to the topic of working from home. So if you think about these past two years, many of our habits have, have changed, um, whether we intended them to change or not. And two examples for me is that I have, believe it or not, cut my own hair for two years now, initially because all the barbershops were closed and I've saved, you know, a few bucks here and there, but I also have a bad haircut. And another example of some habits that have changed is that I don't go out to eat with colleagues anymore. I mean, I've saved a bunch of money as a result of that, but I also miss seeing my friends. And so this world is opening back up right now and we're not confined to home offices anymore. And what I invite you to think about and look at are the habits that you've established during these past two years. And consider whether you could you know, maintain some of those habits or get rid of some of those habits that will allow you to give more weight to your future self rather than just paying attention to you know, your present desires. So for me, um, I love my, my budget feels so happy when I don't spend all that money going out to eat. 
with friends at work, but I'm, I'm going to keep that habit and maybe I'll go join them for the community part, but just have a coffee. And then my hair. I think we know the answer about that is that my future self, I don't, I'm, I'm like doing a disservice to my future self by continuing to cut my own hair. So that's one I'm probably going to go back to and have somebody who knows what they're doing. Daniel, I love this conversation around habits. And there's a couple of books I'd like to recommend around it. I've done a lot of reading on this also. I think Atomic Habits. Loved it. The Power of Habits. Loved it. Tiny Habits. Loved These it. These are all like yes. fantastic <laughs> books if you're interested in building habits. I think one more point to that too is I've also read that people who are under a lot of stress, this can actually impact your brain in a way that inhibits you from thinking long-term or planning long-term. And I think it's also really important if you're in that space to give yourself a lot of grace, even if you haven't been able to develop or sustain strong habits in the past or save for the future, that doesn't mean you don't have the capacity to do that ever in your life. Here, here. I've also read that I think in our culture, we do this thing where we do this tough love and you got to be mean to yourself or other people to get them to create a change. But actually, compassion and kindness, both for ourselves and others, is a lot more instrumental to change than this really mean, harsh approach that I think we as a culture tend to default to. And I also think a lot about what is going to bring future Lauren joy, right? So that might mean buying a new dress for that vacation I want to go on someday. And it might mean hitting the gym now so I'm ready to wear my short shorts in the summer, right? I think <laughs> we really got to think through in addition to what's the best for us financially, emotionally, this lens of what's going to bring us joy, even if I don't want to hit the gym today, is going to benefit me at some point in the future and make me happy in the long term and healthy. So one of the best tips that I read early on in the book, Automatic Millionaire, was to make it automatic. So if, for example, you work at a company that offers a 401k plan, you can automatically choose for a certain percentage of your income to be put into your 401k before it even hits your paycheck. And that way you're making that long-term saving automatic. And if you're self-employed, you can also set up a self-employed retirement plan and do that same thing. So you don't have to think about it every day. And that money is put away for your future and you can still go out and enjoy your latte. If you don't see it, you can't miss it. I think that that's the idea. If it's automatically going in when you get your portion of the direct deposit that's left, that's what you're used to. So the little extra $100 or $50 every pay period that's going away, you're already used to not living with it. So for me personally, I always let my withholding be as a single person with zero dependence because for me, I don't miss the money every two weeks that I get paid. But then at the end of the year, I'm likely for that money to lower my tax potential tax liability or maybe get lucky and get a refund back from it. And like, I don't miss the money throughout the year. It's for me, that works out better for potentially getting a refund back, looking at it as a savings. Whereas if I did the opposite and they weren't taking enough tax away, then getting potentially a surprise tax bill at the end of the year that it's always harder to come up with money or it feels harder. I'd also like to build on a point that both you and Daniel made about reserving, say, a certain amount of money for drinks with your colleagues. And I found two ways to do that, right? One is to take out a certain amount of cash every 
pay period and then say, okay, this is my money for happy hour. And then once that bucket of cash is gone, you're done. I also do this on my debit card. So I have an account I set up for everyday spending and I put a certain amount of money there automatically every pay period. And then when that money is done, no more eating out with friends, no more happy hours until that bucket of cash on my debit card is replenished the next pay period. I do the same thing. I use budget software, same thing. And it's awesome. I'm like, oh, we have money in the checking account, but my tennis shoe category is empty. It's like, I'm clothes broke, but I got grocery money. Like that's like, that's like the smart way. Like, no, there's no, there's yes. no money for sneakers, but we have snacks at home. Yeah. You can't eat those new kicks. <laughs> no, you cannot. All right. It's time for your questions. Once again, I'm always grateful to have our resident tax expert, Kat, sitting right here to answer them. Let's do it. All right, Daniel, give me what you got. So the first question this week is from a customer who asks, in July of last year, I rejoined the workforce and my new job requires me to work from home. It was a big expense getting a desk and the right setup at home. I know because I'm in a nine to five, I am not able to claim these expenses in my taxes. But is there anything I can claim that can help recoup some of these costs? So although you can't take a federal tax deduction from your work from home expenses, if you are an employee, there are some states that have enacted their own laws that require employers to reimburse employees for necessary business expenses or allowing them to deduct things that are not reimbursed. So you really want to check with your individual like state revenue departments for what's allowed in the state you live in if you pay state income taxes. Would I just Google like California work from home write-offs, Kat? So honestly, there's probably going to be some mixed information on the internet because sometimes it's really easy to confuse self-employed deductions with, um, you know, a regular employee. Honestly, most states will allow you to call the Department of Revenue. There's like a number and there is like good old fashioned customer service. And you can generally explain your situation and they will give you the right answers or guide you where you can find them. And that you can Google and say like, you know, California Department of Revenue and you'll normally get a, a number. Kat, I think that's also another great place back to our conversation earlier to explore does your employer offer any benefits or reimbursements for your work from home expenses? Because if you're not able to deduct it as a tax expense, there may be another way to recoup some of those costs from your employer. Typically, a good place to start is your HR. So who's ever handling all your benefits and things like that, where you go for that type of information would probably be a good start to see if they have some type of accountable plan or certain expenses or a limit that they will allow you to get reimbursed for. All right. That's super helpful, Kat. And just to sum that up, it is contact your HR department to find out what those policies are and also call your state department of revenue if you have questions about you know gray areas in your specific situation. All right. Next question. My small business network has been swapping tips on home office deductions and I feel totally confused. I rent a small apartment with a loft that I use as a dedicated workspace. Can I claim everything in the loft that I bought this last year. I bought art and plants to improve my Zoom background. Do they count? So it's easy to get a bit confused. What might be allowed for a peer that's running a business might not be allowable for you. So I can almost certainly say that you won't be able to 
deduct everything that you bought in your loft over the last year, but there may be some deductions that are allowable to somebody in your group that doesn't apply to you. So if somebody runs like a a plant shop and maybe when they do their Zoom calls, they've got a few plants in the background to, you know, show their clients the potential, that might be a deductible expense for that plant shop. But the expense has to be ordinary and necessary to running your business for you to be able to consider that like a a legitimate business uh, expense deductible. Last question I have for this week is pedagogical. I'm a teacher and I did a lot of teaching over Zoom last year. I was intentional about creating a specific place to teach from, thinking I'd be able to claim it on my taxes. But I recently learned I'm not eligible. Why not? I could understand why there's confusion. I mean, fortunately, if you are a K through 12 teacher, so you can deduct up to $250 worth of supplies that you may have spent like in your classroom or you can claim that teacher's educator deduction for what you did spend on your Zoom setup because you did need it for your virtual classroom. But um, it's not like a traditional just writing off for Zoom for anybody else that would be uh, working from home. It's strictly for uh, teachers K through 12. I think another nuance there, Kat. So if you are a teacher, for example, and you have a side hustle as a tutor or something else, even education related, once you're in side hustle mode and earning money from that side hustle, then you could write those home office expenses off as a self-employed deduction, right? Yeah. So if you're earning income as a tutor, which I think it's very common teachers after hours will make supplemental income um, that way. There's things, again, that you're going to invest into your tutoring business that, you know, maybe necessary. Maybe you were even giving tutoring via Zoom. So some of the, maybe you got a better quality microphone because you might do group tutoring. I've seen it where you and three other students on the same topic. So maybe something to them to hear you better. Maybe you got a dry erase board to like show them instead of sharing screen, like taking it old school, if you will. So yeah, there are expenses that would, those would be related to your small business. So I think it's, it's really important to keep track of your receipts throughout. And at the end, when it's time to do your taxes and you're either doing them by yourself or with a tax professional, you can really sort through like what's allowable and what's not. You're the best cat. Thank you for all that wisdom. And that wraps us up for this episode of Friends with Tax Benefits. Thank you so much for listening. Kat, Lauren, as always, it's wonderful to see you both. Can't wait until next week. Bye, guys. See you next week. Bye, y'all. Friends with Tax Benefits is an Intuit TurboTax podcast produced by Frequency Media. We're your hosts, Daniel Thrall, Katharina Rickmans, and Lauren Thomas. From Intuit TurboTax, Jane Lahani is our executive producer, and Tony Melinda is our video producer. From Frequency Media, Jordan Rizieri is our producer, Catherine Devine is our associate producer, and Matthew Ernest Filler is our editor and sound engineer. Concept development by Jessica Olivier, Jill Pashesnik, and Isabel Moncloa Daly. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. 